when it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Hi, my name's Joe Messa. I'm a lawyer and I'm also a big football fan. I'm a 25-year Eagles season ticket holder and there's a new post-game show in town. Welcome to the live post-game show with Derek Gunn, Mark Farzetta, Devin Caney, John McMullen, and the best right tackle in football, Lane Johnson. Welcome in to live post game show. Mark Farzetta, Devin Caney, Derek Gunn with you on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Welcome in as well as 6abc.com. John McMullen will be joining the show coming up a little bit later in the program. Uh, we'll get his take on uh, this game, obviously, and also the latest to come out after the game regarding Dallas Goddard and other Eagles news. We hope Dallas Goddard uh, obviously is okay after taking that uh, awful blow to the head in this game. But uh, to start things off on a positive note there, Devic, uh, Derek and uh, Devin. Quinn, what's, I am, my what's my name uh, again? Your name is what Derek you uh, Goon, right? Goon is pronounced Goon. You, you sounded like Elmer Fudd for a moment. I'm just I'm just. Like, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm smitten. I am in deep smit. Right with, now, not, I with, hope not with me. Well, I was about, I've been I've been smitten with you since I met you like ten years ago. Who isn't Egon? Guys, can I just come out and say it? Is this going to be a positive show? Are we no, 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 be... You're damn right it is. You're damn right. Oh, oh, Wild. Are we going to are we going to have to like start every sentence with? Well, it was just the Broncos, like we do with the Lions, or like we're nope. we're going to have a legitimately positive show here? No, 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 no. Here's the thing today, and here's why I'm so smitten with today's Eagles performance. This was Vic Fangio's defense. Yeah. This was a defense that coming into tonight was one of the best against the passing game, was one of the best against the run game, was allowing the second most, excuse me, the second fewest points per game at yep. 17, I believe, point two per game. The fewest points per game, second in the league. Yep. Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts and this running attack did that tonight, 30 points. Uh, well, minus the interception return for a touchdown, but still put up a hell of a performance that I did not expect in any way, shape, or form from them. Tonight against the Denver Broncos. That's why, Gunner, I am beyond smitten. I am in deep smit when I look at this, the way the Eagles played this game tonight. It's just nice to see you smiling again. And it's nice to see that the top of your head will not turn bright red out of anger <laughs> as it has the past couple of weeks. Uh, but, but you're right. I mean, they could do no wrong today. And I, I'm, like, I'm like a lot of people. I didn't think after what Denver did to Dallas in Dallas last week, mm -hmm. they ran all over Dallas's defense, which is a pretty good defense, 190 yards. They ran up a 30 to nothing lead on Dallas in Dallas's backyard. And I'm thinking, okay, they found that mojo back. They've been a streaky team all season. They won the first three, lost four in a row, won two in a row. And I'm thinking, okay, once they beat Dallas, every team in that AFC West had, had five wins going into today's action. So I'm sure they're fired up because they're only a half game out of first place. 
uh, in that division. So I'm expecting him to come in. And when you talk about Vic Fangio, he's one of the most respected defensive coordinators in the game, but he's the head coach. His defensive coordinator, Ed Donatel, who's been in the league for 31 years, one of the most respected defensive coordinators in the game. So you've got two great defensive minds on that side of the football, which explains why this Denver defense was so good, um, you know, uh, um, against the run in the past. Now, coming into this game, that defense had 22 quarterback sacks. Uh, your sack leader was Von Miller. He was no longer there. So you take away four of those. It was still a pretty good defense, active defense, fast defense. And, I, and I'm thinking, okay, the Eagles ran the ball up and down the backsides of teams like Detroit and the Chargers who were very, very porous against the run. Let me see a man up and run the ball against this defense. And, oh, my goodness, they came out running the football. They kept running the football. And very seldom could the Denver Broncos stop their running attack. So, so kudos to this Eagles team. And I think I can say it for everybody, at least for today, at least for today, we can get off Jonathan Gannon's back. We can get off Nick Sirianni's back. We can get off of the defensive players' backs. We can get off everybody's back. And we can jump on that bandwagon once again. That is the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, well Devin, I don't, you're already excited, I can tell. I, I'm I'm so happy. Um, this is a rare feeling. You know, I think it's funny. Going back to the Falcons game, I remember my first comment was, the Eagles are fun to watch again. And it was just nice having fun watching the Eagles today and also not having kind of like, oh, well, it's a terrible team or some kind of thing kind of like taking away from the win. I think we can really hold on to this win. And I agree with you, Gun. Like, we can get off their backs for a little bit until they do something else that's inexcusable. Oh. But I want to go back, Mark, to what you said. Uh, you're feeling smitten. What would you say you're you're in yes. deep smit? I'm smitten. also in deep smit, feeling smitty for Devontae Smith. Smitty? Not oh, only I, is it this yeah. kid's birthday, yeah. he had an incredible game. <laughs> Two touchdowns. That first touchdown uh, catch was just absolutely amazing. Uh, I still can't believe that for once the Eagles – did a draft right and that he's on our team um he went off today and for that reason i am also quite smitten i don't know how we're going to contain ourselves being positive today i mean this, but, i know this is, what are we going to so, talk it's, about it's so uncomfortable right <laughs> we're, now. we're already on puns folks we're already making puns that's how excited we are we're talking about smitten and smitty i mean it, <laughs> i feel real uncomfortable right now on this show no, I, i'll tell you i i gotta get hey we, look i people say sometimes oh you guys are too negative I, I don't ever think we're too nice. I think we, we call it yeah, as we see it. And exactly. when like we talk about what the team gives yeah. us to talk about, basically, are we being negative or are we being real? Well, in the, in the effort of always trying to be real, to be real about this game is Jalen Hurts played a great game despite the interception where his hand was hit, by the way, for the record. Couldn't right. follow through on it. Still right. a bad decision, but that's why the interception actually happened. But he played well in this game. Uh, you ran the football. Nick Sirianni called a very good game from start to finish. There was only about – one possession, and it was early in that third quarter that I was kind of curious as to what his scheme was or, or goal was on that particular possession. But still, that's nothing to, to harp on. Jonathan Gannon was as aggressive in this game the way I wanted him to be aggressive as he should have been last week. And one stat came out after last week's game because we were all talking about how we wanted to see Jonathan Gannon be, be more aggressive. And a stat came out where he actually blitzed more in that game last week against the Chargers than he ever had. <laughs> That is a that is an example of how numbers never lie, but they can sure as hell deceive. And the way they attacked Teddy Bridgewater today, and the, the, the point I'll make, the, the perfect example I'll lay out for you, is that when you look at the first and goal situation early in the third quarter, 
The Eagles sent six players into the backfield and forced Teddy Bridgewater to lay uh, Williams out to dry on a horrible pass thrown behind him that he almost got his clock cleaned on. I think it was Darius Slay streaking up the sideline and trying to hit him. That was a play that Jonathan Gannon actually forced the mistake by the offense. He didn't sit back. He didn't wait patiently for it. He pounced. And that's what you have to do as a defense sometimes. That's exactly what Jonathan Gannon did tonight. I loved seeing this defense play tonight. They got after it. They were aggressive. TJ Edwards had the first play of the game where he came and made a stop at the line of scrimmage. Right. That was an aggressive linebacker filling a, a gap. That, to me, is exactly what you need to see from this defense time and time again. That the, that's what they're capable of doing. And I loved seeing it tonight. Defensively speaking, I got nothing but love. For Jonathan Gannon and what he was able to do against this offense tonight. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Say that again. You I got what? nothing but what? love at this point in time at 7.38 p.m. on the 14th, is it, of uh, November? I got nothing but love for Jonathan Gannon right now. And somebody, but somebody not, nothing it. but love. There, are, there are a few things. If we oh, oh, here we, oh, here we, here we. Here's you just had the burst of bubble, did you? Just I know. I'm just, the, I'm the cloud of darkness. I'm oh the rain cloud that comes in to ruin the parade. The but uh, Derek doom. Barnett, Derek Barnett. Oh, okay. No, All right. Well, he's no, cut. No, I already no. cut him. I took care of that. that I no, cut. Okay. Okay. You, I just had to point it out. I just had to point it out. You talk about a guy who's doing everything possible to lower his value after this season is over. Every week, last week he made a bonehead play. It cost him points. You know, he made bonehead another bonehead play. That's, that, I mean, it's like, really? You know the rule. You know the rougher the passing, the roughing the passer rule. Really? You could you you just can't stay away from making bonehead plays. Okay, that was a bang bang play, right? That was bang bang play. It was, no, 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 no. He could have pulled up on that play. No, 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 no. No, okay. No. I mean, no, look, I, I, no, and I'm taking into no, account how no, the game's no. called now. No, but, no, okay, okay. No, no. Let me say it again. No, he could, <laughs> let, one more time. Let me say no, no. He could have pulled up. He had plenty of time to pull up on that play. Oof. I mean, it, it it was a close play, but you you know the rule. We we see this play every week. Sure, somebody gets called for this mess every week. Players know it. I think players get to a point where they just want to get a hit on somebody. You know, especially a quarterback because quarterbacks are so protected in the National Football League. Um, but but you 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 got to be smart about this stuff, man. You can't be this dumb. You can't be. If I'm his agent, I'm saying, look here, man. Fake an injury. Do something. Take a game off, man. Because the more you play, the more you're hurting your financial status. The more you're hurting my percentage after this season. Okay. If you're not, if you're not going to stay out of the limelight for the wrong reason, just, just, just take a take a knee one game. Just. Just clear your mind. Get your thoughts. To, I mean, say, I mean, come on, man. Seriously, uh, Devin, do you, Devin, do you bet? Are you better? Uh, not a big better. No. All right. Well, there's no. a lot of people that are with with legalized gambling and all that stuff, and everyone like sports betting and all that stuff. Like people are learning the new terms, and for those that have been betting for a long time, you know this term. Those that that really don't, some of them might be new to you. Uh, a mush, and a mush. There's no ex explanation for it. There's no statistical, uh, you know, data to back up being a mush. It's just that you're a mush. You can't do anything about it. It's like you're in quicksand. The more you struggle, the more you sink. Derek Barnett is a walking mush, and he just can't make the right play. Even on what I think, oh, and okay. you get Gunner, you, you did say you did say it was a close play. Uh, yeah. Even on that particular play, where I thought it was very close and a bang bang play, he just can't help it. He's mushed. The man is mushed. He just can't do it. He can't stop making penalties. He went through a nice little stretch where he stopped. And now he's right back to it with two in this particular game that you just can't have. He did have a sack. All right, fine. Good for you. But after that, you just look at the guy continuously making bad penalties. Now, you know what? Hold on. Let the record show for a second there, Gunner. 
What? Devin started us down this negative path. I did. I'm so yeah. sorry. Guys. Wait, wait I have, you know, look, when, go, when Mark says that Jonathan Gannon, who in my opinion still isn't completely off the hook, yes, he had a good game, did nothing wrong. There's nothing to complain about. There's nothing to critique. Not nothing. You know, Derek Barnett, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. This far into the season, that shouldn't be happening. So I'm sorry, guys. We can be positive from here on out. I had to get it out of the way. So, sorry. so, so, Devin, what you're saying basically about Jonathan Gannon is this: even a blind squirrel finds acorns once in a while. Is that what you're telling me? Is <laughs> yes. that what you're telling me right now? Okay. Well, All right. Look, I just want to well, just want to make no, sure no. I understood you here. So I'm still I'm not. I think that the Eagles defense played a lot better than, yes. than they have been this game. Yes. But uh, I know you also talked to Bobby Taylor on your podcast this yes. week, as did yep. I, and and yep. talking to him, former for those who don't know, former Eagles cornerback and. It was just really enlightening and concerning also to get his yes. insights on the defense, especially Absolutely. versus what he had under Jim Johnson. And I just still don't think Jonathan Gannon's the guy, uh, even I, though we won. I think a lot of our win was on Jalen Hurts and our offense and, and play calling. I thought Nick Sirianni also did a good job this game. Hey, hey, Devin, since you mentioned Bobby Taylor, you owe me, by the way. You owe me big time. Why? Because Bobby, he goes, hey, dig up. Can you tell me about who's this De- Devin Caney? <laughs> and I'm like, how do you know oh. Devin Caney? He goes, well, she reached out to me about doing my, her podcast. What do you think? So I said, well, let's see now. Do I want to speak highly of her or should I tell him the truth? Um, let's see. So I spoke highly of you. Oh, he, man. He, you just had me nervous there. Wow. Like, so, you, yeah. so you ruined it. But yeah, he see, came on. So thank yeah, he you. Did. He's a good dude. Thank yeah, he's a good dude. That's a dude. I said, she's great people. You'll have a lot of fun. You'll have a lot of fun talking to her. So yeah. I said, okay, if you endorse it. So you know what? Now you don't owe me. I'll bring it up later down the road somewhere. Now you don't owe okay. me. You owe me now. Okay. <laughs> You're now okay. forever okay. in Gunner's debt. Oh, my yeah. goodness. I didn't know I was vetted. Wow. <laughs> but thanks for the, the reference, I guess. Hey, 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 I'm just telling you, I'm here to help you. Not harm you. I'm here to help you. <laughs> I wish I could help Eagles more, you but no, you know, she said this sarcastically. Oh yeah. Deacon, I really appreciate you. Uh, yeah. I'll get back to you on that one. You know, oh, see I, what I, mean? I picked up. Yeah. I picked see, up see, on the sarcasm. Yeah. She yeah, laid it on pretty thick. See, I mean, see, she started this negativism and it's just, it's just, it's just filtering down. I'm sorry. Derek and I'm so sincerely no, hey, thankful I'm out of here. Goodbye. and grateful. You guys have a good show. I'm, 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 I'm off the show. Goodbye. Uh, well, uh, let's get let's get on to that positive that English, thing that right there. Let, let's get back to that positivity okay. for a second. All right. All right, let's do it. Uh, and yes, sure Devin, good luck. Control. Good good luck paying Gunner back by the year like twenty thirty five because that's won't. how long it takes to pay back those those favors. I'll just buy him a bunch of a bunch of meats to grill and he'll be fine. He'll be cool. Uh, deal, deal. I'm good. Uh, I I will say, and Devin, you mentioned this again. When it came to Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts, I went into this game not picking the Eagles to win. And the reason I didn't think they were going to win the game is because I thought Vic Fangio was going to uh, out-counter, out-maneuver Nick Sirianni. Right. And Nick Sirianni, to his credit, man, credit where credit's due, I'll say it again. Yep. Nick Sirianni stuck with what worked for them. <laughs> didn't look at it like, play. oh, I got to play against Vic Fangio. I got to out-maneuver him. He just said, this is what we do well. We're going to throw it in their face and see if they can stop us. They stuck with the run throughout this entire game, just like they did against the Lions, just like they did against the Chargers, and they were in the game at the end against the Chargers, as we all know. So you look at the last two games, and you went up against now a much better defense and a much better defensive coordinator. And they stuck with it, and they had success with it. 
They threw the ball when they needed to, and Jalen Hurts got the job done in that regard. But everything they did schematically wasn't that different than what they did against the Lions and what they did against the Chargers. The point is, when it works for you, the bottom line is, is it puts your players in the best possible position to have success. Every once in a while, throw that into a defensive coordinator's face or just a defense in general's face and see how they handled it. And tonight, the Broncos, they really couldn't handle it. He stuck with his guns. He stuck with what worked. I even saw, I can't believe that it took 10 weeks to get Boston Scott a screen, but we finally saw that and he ripped that off for about 15 yards, which was great to see. So he okay. stuck with what, what a little sure. bit of creativity, a little bit of things we hadn't seen yet this year, but most of it was stuff we had and it still worked for him. How many, how many weeks had I been screaming about Boston Scott being in a witness protection program? And why are you not giving this man the football? And look what happened the last couple of weeks. You know, the kid, he's never going to be an elite running back of the National Football League. He's never going to be a household name of the National Football League. But he's a very good running back. He's a compact body. Um, he picks up the extra yards. You hit him. He just keeps the legs moving. He bounces off tackles. It's hard to square up on him. It's hard to find him, first of all, because he's only 5'6". <laughs> but it's hard to square up on him uh, when he gets past the, the, the interior and, you know, he lowers his shoulder. It's hard to get as low as him when you consider most defenders. The guys up front, 6'3", 6'5", 6'6", linebacker, 6'2", 6'4". It's hard for you to go, you know, get down low and get to his level. So he has the leverage advantage there. You give this young young man the ball. You know, you don't have to constantly feed uh, uh, Jordan Howard. You don't have to constantly feed uh, Kenneth Gainwell. I like the mixture. I'm looking at the numbers here. Jordan Howard, 12 carries, 83 yards. Boston Scott, 11 carries, 81 yards. Okay, they ran the ball 40 times. Now, the number skewed a little bit. Look, look at Mark's face. I said 40 times, not four. They ran the ball 40 times in the game, 214 yards. Number skewed just a little bit because Jalen Hurts had 14 carries for 53 yards. But that's part of their offense. That's part of their running plan. They have him run the football. Stop it if you can. Last three opponents have not been able to stop it. In those last three games, the Eagles are two and one. Enough said. It just makes you bang your head against the wall. Okay. No, this is negative, but it does make me go back oh, to the first couple of games of the season when this is go. what we were screaming and yelling for. And then even when they had Miles Sanders and when mm -hmm. you didn't see it, like, can you like, just imagine this for a second? Imagine you just started watching the Eagles three weeks ago. Right. Imagine you just, you just started watching and then somebody had to come in and be like, Hey, you know, they only handed the ball to a running back twice against the Cowboys. Like what took them this long right. to learn this? But look, you can't change what's in the past. You can only look forward to the future and marvel in the idea that they actually executed what a lot of fans have been screaming at the top of their lungs for to get this running game going behind an offensive line that has been banged up, still without Barrett Brooks, as we all know. Didn't have Lane Johnson, has him back now, obviously. But you had guys that were just subbing in there trying to get reps, and it's an easier game from them. Most offensive linemen will tell you to run block instead of pass block. Hold a pass block or just hit and done with the play. Seeing these guys be, uh, hit at the offensive at the line of scrimmage and then be able to get rush charge behind it has been great to see over the last three weeks. And at the same time, you're seeing the best version of Jalen Hurts because before it was all about him just making a play. It was all about Jalen Hurts running and you know, do whatever he can to make a play. Now he's able to spread the ball around. Nick Sirianni is spreading the ball around, offensively speaking, finding his right. running backs, getting them involved. A little bit of tight end usage. Unfortunately, couldn't get into that too much tonight because of what happened with Dallas Goddard. But for the most part, you see the wide receivers get involved, the running backs are taking over, and Jalen Hurts doesn't have to do nearly as much to the point now where it's almost commonplace, not as much as it was in the old school, but almost commonplace where you're not shocked anymore to see him line up under center. When he lines up under center now and turns around and hands it off, 
it's not a huge shock anymore. Plus, you also know that you can set up the play action through that as well. So what they have done over the last three weeks, albeit not Super Bowl contending opponents, obviously, but just to know that they can do it and find their own rhythm offensively through that is at least letting you know what this team's identity should be going forward. I can't emphasize it enough. What an effective running game can do for alleviating pressure off a quarterback. When you have a, a, a potent running game like this, you know, 40 carries in a game, even the best running teams in the National Football League don't usually get 40, 45 rushing attempts in, in a football game. But when you have 40 rushing attempts, 212, 14 yards, you're controlling the clock. You know, you're taking a lot of pressure off a lot of other elements. You're taking pressure off your defense. You're taking pressure off of your, your quarterback. He doesn't have to stand back there 30, 35 times and take unnecessary shots. And when he does go back, he's got a little bit more time because off that play action, a defense at that point, once they're being gassed, thinking they're running the ball, they freeze for that second. And that second, a lot of times, is the difference between success and failure between two yards and maybe five or ten yards down the field. And we saw that effectively in this game today because the more they ran the football, whenever you went to that play action or the RPO, the the, the defense – now, now by the second half – I will say Denver did a better job of stretching out um, Jalen Hurts when he kept the ball and ran. You notice that they didn't have a man on the outside waiting for him to the outside and stretch him to the outside. But running the ball between the tackles and off tackle, he couldn't do anything with him. I mean, extremely impressive by Nick Sirianni. But offensive line coach Jeff Stoutland, you know, I've, I've watched this man work his craft for every year since he's been here. I've watched him work with young, young offensive linemen. A uh, veteran offensive lineman who come he comes here. I don't think Jeff Stoutland gets enough credit for being one of the best offensive line coaches in the National Football League. Um, you know, once uh, Brandon Brooks went down, once you know Isaac Sayamalo went down, uh, it took him some time to get some of these young guys up to speed. But look at these young guys now who are filling in the gaps. You talk about Jack Driscoll. Um, you talk about Dickerson. Now they had him on the right side of the guard. They moved him to the left side. I guess where he's more comfortable now. And as long as you keep those two tackles upright and breathing, Lane Johnson and Jordan Mailata and Jason Kelsey in the center of all this, man, you got a pretty doggone good offensive line. We're just too optimistic today, Devin. We're just uh, just both of us, <laughs> all three of us, really, just when you think about it. Just... I'm honest. I'm not optimistic. I told you I'm week to week. <laughs> week to week, I know. And that, that yeah. Mark, back to what you said, where people say we're too critical, too negative. Like, have you seen the Philadelphia Eagles the past – literally every other game since the Falcons game. Yeah, There's yeah. no other option. <laughs> We're not bipolar. Hey, We're hey, not bipolar. Their play is. Hey, Devin, right, you know, exactly. You know, blame the Eagles. Don't blame us. Hey, Devin, you know who the people are who say you're too negative? Who? You. The people who sit at home and are just as negative as we are, mm-hmm. except we're being honest. Mm-hmm. Okay. We are. So, you know, we're in a city that's what? Nicknamed what? Negadelphia? That's it. I, I've actually yeah. literally never heard that, but I know that Philadelphia fans are, are known to be. Yes. You know, you harsh. Know, so that's why I say, you know, you're being too negative, really. And what did you say about the game? Well, I said this. Is, okay. So what's any different about what you said than what I just said? <laughs> the only difference is I have a public forum to say it. You have a public forum yeah. to say it. That's the only difference. Yeah. So that's why when people say that, I'm saying, you know what? Good talking to you. Have a good day. <laughs>
I mean, even so. Sorry, Mark. Just please, one no, more ahead. comment on, on the negativity. Even on Twitter, I'm seeing you know what we talked about with the Lions, where we kind of said, "Let's get it out of the way at the start of the show." Right. You know, right. we know it was the Lions. We're just going to say right. it before every compliment we give the Eagles. Right. I'm seeing people say, "Oh, the, the Broncos just gifted us that game. They gifted the Eagles oh, that game." Oh, it's like yeah. every win is hedged make, with a, a disclaimer. Look, let me let me let me just make this proclamation real quick. You the Eagles are not a very good football team. No. All right, no, any not. team no. they beat, it's great. Like, yeah. it's not, I, I didn't pick them yeah. to go 0 17 by any means, but it's not like the Eagles are a team that was picked going into the season as a Super Bowl contender, uh, definitely going to win the NFC East, not even that, not even competing for the NFC East in a terrible division that what was won by a team with what seven gate seven wins last year. Yeah, so when you look at this Eagles team, I don't care who they be, even if it is just the Lions, they went out and proved they weren't that bad, and it was really bad going into that Lions game, let's not forget. Now you're looking at a team that has won two of their last three, albeit, yeah, one was against the Lions, one was against the Broncos on the road. And I can't stress this enough. It was against not just a, a man who is so wildly respected throughout the league as a defensive-minded head coach, defensive coordinator, right. Vic Fangio, but he's also a guy that people look at with a great amount of respect when it comes to what he's done with that defense this year that was riding a high after shutting down an offense that happened to have Ezekiel Elliott and one of the best offensive line in football that's attacking right. them defensively. So that's what the Eagles did, or offensively. That's what the Eagles did tonight in Denver. That is huge to watch the way this Eagles team played against that defense. I can't go to it enough. You're talking about top eight teams in, in, in pass defense, in run defense, second best in the NFL when it comes to points. Per, like, that is something for, for Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts and the rest of this offense to hang their hat on and say, you know what, this wasn't just the Lions. We, we, we Offensively speaking, they played well enough to beat the Chargers. Defensively speaking, not the case, unfortunately. But this particular game, they were able to put it all together, both sides of the field, against a worthy opponent. And I'm not one to think that the Broncos are anything special by any means, but when it comes to doing what you did tonight against that team, that is something where you can take, you enjoy the plane ride home for what you just did against the Denver Broncos. And a team that just beat the Dallas Cowboys, let's keep exactly. in mind. And you know what? I think a lot of my positivity comes from something that we mention, show in every day, every week adjustments, improvements. That's all we wanted to see. Cause like you said, you know, we know the Eagles are not going to be a Super Bowl team. No one ever thought they were this season, right? It's a learning season, rebuild, whatever term you want to use. It's just seeing that improvement. And, and I think over the last three games, we've seen a lot of improvement from Nick Sirianni in the offense. And last week, I feel like we all kind of hit our breaking point with the defense where Jonathan Gannon just wasn't budging and making those changes that we all wanted to see. And this game, it was refreshing to see all the changes that we had been begging and pleading for any coach to make uh, implemented in their game plan. No I still, doubt. I, I still can't figure this team out. They play much better football on the road than they do at home. For whatever the case may be, they've had now, tough home opponents, though. Yeah, but they're four and two on the road now. Yeah. Um, and you know, you know, Mark, uh, adding to what you said about this is an Eagles team that's not a very good football team, but if we go back, this is an Eagles football team that's not that far off from having a winning record. They they should have, yeah, and it could have and should have beat the 49ers. They could have and should have beaten the Chargers. So they, they've had their chances. I, I equate the Eagles to, to the Minnesota Vikings. Coming into today, the Minnesota Vikings had lost five games this season by a grand total of 18 points. They were one and two in overtime games this season. It was the Vikings team that couldn't find a way to finish games. 
Well, today the Vikings found a way on the road out west to finish the game against the division-leading Los Angeles Chargers. The Eagles go on the road, find a way to finish the game against a Denver Broncos team that was only half game behind the Chargers in the AFC West. And see, that's the beauty for, of the NFL week to week. You, you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, you look at the craziness that happened around the NFL week number nine last week. I mean, Jacksonville holding the likes of Buffalo to, to, to six points of all teams, Jacksonville. Then you look at some of the games today. I mean, New England just trashed Cleveland. You know, we, I mean, you look at that. Uh, Detroit plays Pittsburgh, even without Roethlisberger. They played Pittsburgh to a 16-all tie. I mean, are, are you kidding me? So up and down the board, I mean, you, uh, Washington finds a way to beat Tampa Bay? I mean, seriously? Don't get me started on that. Don't get me started on that. See, but that's the beauty of the NFL. You know what? Always expect the unexpected in this league. That's what I love about it. And that's why I don't bet on games because yep. I would be sleeping in my car if I did. Do you see that Tom hoping. Brady? Hey, you see that Tom Brady character? See that clown? See what he did after the game? No, what did he do now? Walk he went up and he hugged. He, hu he hugged uh, Heineke. He went up and he, hugged him. How about that? It? Huh? Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they embraced. Where's Nick Foles' hug, Tom? How about that? I don't like that. I don't, I don't like that. I don't like that bit either. That's why Tom Brady sucks. How about that? Stop living in the past, Mark. Let sleeping dogs lie. I'm, 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 no, I'm, I support I'm, it. I will never forget Brady for that. Thank you. Revel in the glory of the moment. Uh, speaking of uh, the moment, uh, there are two moments in this particular game that got a lot of play on Twitter. One, pretty hilarious. The other, not at all, in the least bit funny. We'll talk about those when we come back on the live postgame show. We're exclusively presented by Ocean Casino Resort. Go for the live show. Go for the win. More live postgame show when we return. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go to get your spin on. Go to get your spa on. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub. And in your drink. Go for the steaks. And the steak. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. 
The live postgame show is powered by IBEW Local 98. Basketball is part of how we grew up in this city. And every morning, IBEW Local 98 members take their best shot building this city, rescuing our community from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are, like the Hawks who will never die. Local 98 members love tradition. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Live post-game show presented by Ocean Casino Resort. Go for the live win. Go for the win. Let's go for the live show. Go for the win. Uh, two things we got to talk about here, Mark Farzetta, uh, Derek Gunn, Devin Caney. With are, you, are you talking in the third person? Do you, do you remember uh, our names? I, yeah, really. I totally remember. I, I'm trying to read a play at the same time. Uh, I forgot the downage. about Mark Farzetta. You know, well, let me you know, see when D Gun when D Gun start talking to himself. See, D Gun knows who he's talking to at that particular time. So, just um, want to remind myself. No, I was I wasn't sure if it was a third and ten or a third and twelve. But the okay. Dallas Goddard play because there's two plays that that right. we need to talk about here. One was a Dallas Goddard play, third and twelve. He gets the he received he catches the ball for 24 yards. It looked like Ronald Darby wrapped up his feet. He's going down. Justin Simmons comes in and forearm shimmy. Forearm shiver right. to the head of Dallas Goddard. Should have been a penalty. No penalty, no penalty right. called. The referee, though, at that exact time, after Goddard got up and looked uh, sh- shook and shaken on that play, the referee l- grabs his shoulder and points to the bench, like, hey, you better get this guy. He just got hit in the head. And I'm thinking, if he just got hit in the head, why isn't it a penalty? They show the replay. The hit from behind happened first with uh, Dar- first off, he established himself as a runner. Darby wraps up his legs. He falls forward. The hit comes into the head, and he goes out and leaves the game, doesn't return. Uh, I believe by NFL definition, not a penalty. But my my problem isn't really as much with the call as much as it is the rule. How is it, Gunner? How is it, Devin, that so often in football we see helmet-to-helmet contact, even though a player is going down as another player is being tackled, helmet-to-helmet still happens, and it's still a penalty. It seems like a huge hypocritical rule in the NFL rule book. Um, I had said when they decided to change this rule that my biggest concern, which has come to fruition time and time again, is you as an attacker trying to take down a ball carrier. Once you make a commitment to strike a certain target, how are you supposed to adjust at running at that speed, especially when the ball carrier at the last second decides to lower his shoulder and helmet to protect himself. You're already, you already have a bead on a certain spot you're going to hit. And nine times out of 10, you get called for the helmet to helmet and not the offensive player. I think it's the most ridiculous rule. I understand. And I applaud the fact that you're trying to make the game safer for players, but you've had a couple of years now, especially after seasons, the referee committee to sit down and analyze how you're calling these. And yet it's still called the same way. And it's costing teams games in a lot of ways as well. You have to do something to improve upon this. The game was played a long time ago where if both parties lower their, their helmets at the same time, so be it. One was going to win. Ball carrier was either going to evade the tackler or the tackler was going to bring the ball carrier down. 
Now, all of a sudden, you've made the game so offensive-minded, trying to make the game safer, that you're doing an injustice to defensive players. And defensive players are as frustrated as you can possibly be by the way this is called now. I mean, you, basically what you're going to do eventually, and it's happened already, defensive players are going to succumb to more serious injuries because now you're asking them to adjust in a fraction of a second by doing that, you're exposing certain parts of your body, head, top of your crown of your head, or your neck, which could cause severe injuries, because now you're worried about striking your target at a point where it could cost you an additional 15 yards. And, and it's, it's, it's not, I hate to use the term, it sounds like a kid. It's not fair. It's just not fair. Because it's not fair. It really yeah. isn't. The play, yeah. th- that, that ruling has to be adjusted moving forward. And I'm surprised this has been going on for a couple of years now, and there really hasn't been any adjustments made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I totally like I get what you're saying where, you know, when you're running on defense and I don't know if who I who was it who had the second hit on Goddard? Uh, Simmons. 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 Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm sure that wasn't intentional. And and Deegan, I get what you're saying where that can also cause injury. But that hit was there's a few hits in the NFL where yeah. I kind of like jump back. He got wrecked on that hit. Yeah. And yeah. It's so it, I think there has to be a happy medium because it's ridiculous that he definitely has a concussion and was clearly shaken up getting off the field on that. He looks a little yeah. dazed getting up and mm-hmm. and just the amount of times that these guys have to go through that. Uh, we all know it's not healthy. So I, the fact that there was literally zero penalty caught on that is ridiculous. But I also get what you're saying where I, when you're on defense, you can't just stop yourself or yeah. you'll hurt yeah. yourself. So yeah. where, where is the, the is. in all honesty, where's the line? Because right. once well, you're asked to hit a moving target, and, right. and again, that target changes position, how, how are you supposed to defend that? Gunner, to your point, that was my issue with helmet to helmet. Yes, take away helmet to helmet. Shouldn't happen. Guys are getting hurt. Serious brain trauma. We all know the stories there, right? But if you're watching just the game, that implies that every single tackle has to be a form tackle. So where's exactly. the exception to the rule? Exactly. I've seen I've seen players try to go in four knees for, to hit a running back at his knees, take out his legs as he's coming through the box, and the running back's lowering his head as well. Yes. And instead, the the defensive back or the linebacker, whoever's trying to come in, is trying to get lower where you're told to hit, and you end up having helmet-to-helmet contact. They're technically doing the right thing, but by rule, because it's a moving target and you're hitting the other player's helmet, that's a penalty. This particular play, the same thing happens pretty much where Goddard's going over, gets tackled from the legs from behind. The uh, the defensive player comes in over the top. Goddard's falling to the ground and then gets hit. It's it's actually very similar to the Carson Wentz uh, play that knocked him out of the playoffs against Seattle where he was already falling to the ground and Jadavion Clowney came down on top of him. Clowney should have still peeled off, should have been a penalty on him in that situation. Yes. Yeah. But this play just happened to be his forearm. If it was his helmet, then it would have been a penalty. So uh, it's such a hypocritical rule that the NFL has put out there. They need to address that because otherwise you're going to see guys say, okay, well, I'll just make sure my head's up and I can still make a hit with my hand or my forearm. How does that make any sense? Oh, and just to make it better, what was it? Like 15 minutes of real time later, Avante Maddox gets called for the taunting penalty. Yeah. (laughs) After I I forget who it was on the offense for uh, Patrick, maybe uh, for the uh, Broncos that kicked him first. Kicked Avante Maddox off. Avante Maddox said something. Ref saw that through the flag for taunting. It's not that me. That taunting rule is first. ridiculous. Yeah, that, he, I, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Devin. No, no. I just said it was ridiculous. You can go go for it. It's not he who, it's not he who hits first. It's one who gets caught last. 
is always the case. Right. right. What makes what makes the helmet to helmet rule even more frustrating is with with the multitude of cameras that you have in a game now, you have every possible angle covered. And when you look at the slow-mo replays and they show you that the defender has already committed the strike zone that he's going to attack, and you see the ball carrier get even lower to protect his body, you know, basically his rib cage and things like that. It is the it is the ball carrier who initiates the helmet to helmet contact in a lot of cases. Yet the defender is the one who gets called for the penalties. So basically, it's like that old ad is damned if you do, damned if you don't. You know, and you know, I don't know what else you can do for defensive players. What are they not supposed to do? Just touch them and hope they fall down. Put flags on them if that's the way you're going to play the game at this point. Yeah, well, and then on the other hand, you have roughing the passer where it's almost opposite. Like, you literally touch a quarterback and you get a penalty. Oh, Not God. coming to the defense of Derek Barnett or any of right. our guys who have just gotten racked up way, way too many penalties. But, yeah, there's no consistency there. All right. Um, I have to ask. I have to pop quiz for you guys. Um, mm. You guys could take take you know, whoever wants to answer first may. But I got a couple of options here for uh, Teddy Bridgewater uh, and that uh, tackle. Uh, uh what do I call that? Nothing? The, the nothing play where he threw the interception, or excuse me, uh, the, they <laughs> fumbled the ball, and you had uh, Darius Slay trying to return it for the touchdown, and Teddy Bridgewater was there. Like, you saw him there as Darius Slay was running up the field to try to return it to fumble for a touchdown. Uh, what did Ted, Brid- Ted, Ted Bridgewater, what did he look most like? Did he look more like a Mater D showing you to your table? Or a... 1700s Revolutionary War era British general curtsying to you to ask you, may I have this dance? Which one of those two did he look more like? Gunner, I'll go to you first. May I show you to your table? May Teddy I show you? So you go with the Mater D. Okay. Yeah, t- Devin? Yeah, go ahead. Wait, you know, I was going to go with the Mater D as well, but it, now I feel like I got to change it up for. To make what? It just so you don't but... agree with me? Is that <laughs> it? What was that play? What? First off, great play what? by Darius Slice for returning that. But if Teddy Bridgewater is our quarterback in that particular play, make an effort or get the hell out of the way. He mm. got out of the way. Teddy Bridgewater made a business decision. He said, look here, if I try to tackle him, I can injure myself here, you know, pull a hamstring, you know, break a finger. Or, you know, shoulder trying to take him down something. No, that's okay. I'm good. I, I need to collect my bonus money. I need to play. You know, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, he, he basically made a business decision. That was the most lethargic attempt to make a tackle that I've seen in quite some time in the National Football he, League. He didn't make a tackle. He didn't try to make a tackle. Hey, you know what? I can't blame Teddy. Teddy made a business decision. Teddy <laughs> but, says, I want to play. I want to be on national TV every week. I, I want to be on IR. Watch, I don't know if Devin, I know you watched it a thousand times too, because it's just that hilarious. Uh, but Teddy Bridgewater is standing there, like trotting up the field, and I think he distracted his teammate who then got a, sh- a, a shoulder in his ear because Teddy Bridgewater was trying to stand in front of his own teammate. It looked like he was taking two of his own teammates out of the play. Yeah, no, I actually tweeted uh, side by side, um, when the when the Buccaneers played, I believe it was the Saints, Tom Brady did something similar, but he actually had someone standing directly in front of him from the other team. And I get that. Like, I would be like, okay, you do you. You take my ball and run with it. <laughs> but uh, Bridgewater really didn't have an excuse here. I just want to talk about the, the the emotional roller coaster I went through on that play. Because I don't know if you guys felt the same way, but I feel like most uh, Eagles fans, like in my head, I'm like, just, just go down. Like you got the interception stat and he was scrambling around kind of holding the ball loosely. Like I was yelling at him to just go down and he somehow fi- found his way through and 
got a touchdown. I just, I, it was not what I was expecting. And even when he got the touchdown, I was like, oh, that's going to be called back. There's no way. Mm -hmm. So uh, I was audibly screaming and losing my mind at that. <laughs> to, to me, it honestly looked like a bunch of players on both sides didn't know if it was going to be ruled down. Yeah, I don't think anyone knew it was happening. And everybody just stopped. Meanwhile, mm -hmm. Darius Slay said, hey, look, you know, I know my name is Big Play Slay, and I haven't <laughs> made a lot of big plays this year. I'm just going to keep going until somebody tells me to come back. And right. lo and behold, it ends up being a touchdown, a great turn of uh, momentum for the Eagles in their favor because, man, they haven't had a lot of that this year, and Darius Slay hasn't had a lot of big plays this year. So kudos to both, you know, Darius Slay being heads up to try to, to get as much as he could out of that play. Uh, if we keep going, and for Teddy for allowing Darius to, to score that touchdown. <laughs> yes, thank you to that Mater D. We'll, so <laughs> we'll agree with that Mater D, and may I have this, this dance guy. Uh, Devin, real quick. Uh, oh, I just lost. Oh, there is Sean's agreeing with you, saying the rough of the passer call is garbage. I don't know if he's talking about Barnett in particular or the, the, the rule in general. That the play that that is garbage. I do enjoy the side by sides we always see of what you know roughing the passer then versus now and how it's always changed. You know, and, and where we're at now with roughing the passer. I gotta say, I, and I am in no way, shape, or form trying to defend Derek Barnett. If we're on the other side of that, um, we're we're looking at that play being like that's that's just a thousand times ridiculous. Even if you're looking at it like from Teddy Bridgewater's eyes in that particular play, you're looking at it and you're going, "I'm sorry, wait." Even hmm, like the ball had just left his hand. Now, Derek mm. Barnett, I, I noticed his head was down on the play. He wasn't exactly looking up, had a great spin move to get to the quarterback. Just, I, right. I don't know what he's supposed to do in that situation. You got to peel off. I mean, you know, the rules, I mean, you, you're, you're shown these, you're shown these plays in, in training camps. You have referees who come into every training camp and go over certain aspects of what is and what isn't. You, you got to be smarter than that. I mean, we see every week, every game, there's a roughing the, the, the passer penalty. It's going to be called. It happens. You mm -hmm. know, momentum, the momentum and the adrenaline rush, a lot of times, you know, gets the best of a lot of players. And, you know, you, you hope it's not in a situation where it costs you a game. But when it comes to roughing the passer and the pass interference calls and the helmet to helmet, they're too inconsistent across the board. And it decides too many outcomes in, in games. Uh, especially for a team that's trying to come back in certain games. The time is absolutely flying by after the Eagles pull off this win. And pull off, I don't want to make it sound like they just pulled it out, but they just absolutely took it to the Denver Broncos tonight. It was great to see another complete win for them. We'll talk more about it in a second. Also, what it means for Jalen Hurts as well as Nick Sirianni. We made the point a couple of times already regarding Vic Fangio and those two squaring off. Sirianni's offense, Fangio's defense, how is that going to work out? We'll continue to explore that when we return. Also, a little bit later in the show, John McMullen will be joining us. Live from the Mile High City in Denver. Give us all the latest on the injury news regarding the Eagles after the game, as well as what Nick Sirianni had to say about his players post-game as well. Uh, don't forget, we are fueled by Stateside Vodka. See the scroll below and use the promo code JACOB, that's J-A-K-I-B, for 15% off a one-liter bottle. Go to statesidevodka.com. More live post-game show when we return. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this. 
this, this, and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Yo, okay, but is the rip... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. The live postgame show is powered by IBEW Local 98. Welcome back, live post game show. Mark Farzetta, Derek Gunn, Devin Caney with you uh, on 6abc.com as well as the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Uh, John McMullen will be joining us coming in just a little bit from Denver. Do want to tell you that we are exclusively presented by Ocean Casino Resort. Go for the live show, go for the win. Uh, Birdman 990 is hitting us up talking about Jalen Hurts, the obvious takeaway from this game, uh, saying we are, we're not praising him enough. I will say we did lead with Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni that this was one of the best games that they've had, really the best game, I think, since the first game of the season against the Atlanta Falcons that we saw them play. The competition, obviously, a much better defensive mind with Vic Fangio. And I saw from Jalen Hurts, I had this thought going into the fourth quarter. We all know what Jalen Hurts is up against. And I'm judging him. I'm trying to judge him the way that this front office is judging him. Like, okay, no matter how well he plays, he's still competing against three first-round picks, most likely, going into next year's draft. So when I watched him in this particular game, these are the games Jalen Hurts has to have in order to have any shot of keeping this job after next year. That's what I saw from him tonight. I saw a pro go out there, make plays with his legs, make plays with his arms, keep his eyes downfield when he was trying to roll out of the pocket. I saw a guy play like a pro tonight. I saw a guy that looked like a guy that could be a franchise quarterback of an NFL football team. 
Loved what I saw from Jalen Hurts. Even the interception looked like his hand got hit. There wasn't a blitz pickup as well. I think Gainwell was back there with him. He should have had a better block on that particular play. He didn't. Ball got hit out of his hand a little bit on that throw, so that's why the interception happened overall. Didn't think it was the best decision on that particular play, but still, that was a money throw he made to Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith made a play on the first ball that was put up there for him to make a play, which he got the first touchdown out, uh, first touchdown on. Second touchdown, money as well in his bread basket, and then you also had an awful drop, drop by Quez Watkins in uh-huh. the end zone uh-huh. that just went right through his hands. That was uh, just a perfect throw. Dot in the eye from down the field from Devontae or from uh, Jalen Hurts as well. So that to me summed up a great game from Jalen Hurts tonight. I, I don't think Jalen gets enough credit for maintaining his poise and demeanor. We don't know what he's like behind closed doors, but when he steps in front of a camera uh, with all the stuff that's going on around him, and then it doesn't help when when you see video all over the place of his general manager. Uh, watching a college football game, uh, watching a Pittsburgh game, watching a quarterback. That doesn't mm-hmm. help me. That does not bode well for the getting the vote of confidence. Now, from a managerial standpoint, you have to you have to check everything when, when you're deciding what you're going to do in the future. And a lot of times, you know, these GMs go to different games and you don't even notice it, you know, because it's not that big. But for whatever reason, Howie Roseman is seen up in the press box with binoculars on, looking at quarterback. Uh, play in that Pittsburgh game uh, the other night. And of course, we in the media and the fan base, we blow it up, we magnify it because we feel that's what the Eagles are going to do with their first pick. If, you know, the quarterbacks today who are considered mediocre coming in and going into next year's draft, I guarantee you by the time they go through the scouting combine next year and their own individual workouts at their universities, there's going to be one or two of them that are all of a sudden going to go from the level of mediocre to all of a sudden, this kid could be your next franchise quarterback. And one team is going to bite. I mean, look at how many, look at how many Dwayne Haskins there's there's been in the last few years. Quarterbacks like that. Uh, sometimes you can overevaluate uh the position. And a number of teams have done that. You know, uh, you look at Sam Darnold, uh, there was Sam Rosen, you know, is he even still in the league now? You know, all these first round quarterback picks. You know, for everyone that that all of a sudden uh, ascends to the status of elite early in his career, there's a whole bunch that are still trying to tread water and stay afloat. You know, and I don't blame the Eagles for doing their due diligence. If that were me, if I was a general manager, I would have been sitting in the second or third row where the cameras couldn't have seen me. I would have had my head of scouting sitting in the first row with his binoculars, and I would have been asking him questions from a distance. But, you know, Howie Roseman, He's right there up in the front, you know, hanging out in the box, press box, binoculars, binoculars on. And of course, now, you know, what what is this young man, Jalen Hurst, thinking out? You know, my GM doesn't even believe in me. What else do you want me to do? The young man protects the football. I'll give him that first and foremost. And I've said from day one, and I'll continue to say, I still think he's a great athlete who's playing quarterback, who's becoming a much better quarterback each and every week. Um, you know, he you're right. He threw that great deep ball that Quez Watkins dropped. Threw a great pass to uh, um, Devonta Smith for the touchdown. Devonta went up with a great move and took it away from Patrick Sertain. Mm. You know, so Jalen Hurts has the ability, um, and he he's sure-handed with the football. I think his completion percentage was today was like what close to seventy percent. We're always talking about the other quarterbacks completing 75, 85, 90 percent of their passes against the Eagles' defense. Let's give Jalen Hurts some credit today. He completed almost seventy percent of his passes. He did. You mm. know, he, he kept his team moving made the right decisions with the football. 
And a few times he was under duress. He even made the right decisions with the football then. So I see a quarterback, a young quarterback, who still has not had a full season in the National Football League under his belt. This is what, his 14th game as a professional football player, and he's making progress. And that's what I've said from the beginning. I want to see him make progress each and every week. Did he have some setbacks? Yes. Hall of Fame quarterbacks have setbacks. But I still see that steady progress with him in terms of decision-maker, using his legs when he has to, and being accurate when he needs to be. I I totally agree with you. And I've even before this game, which Jalen Hurts played incredibly, I've been a Jalen Hurts supporter, even when he hasn't had some some good moments, some some bad right. games, of course, that we've all seen. But we've talked about his his mentality and he you can just tell he's such a leader for the right, entire right. team, for the offense. Uh and I, I think that they need to give him time. I hated seeing that Howie video. You know, it was funny because he also just looked ridiculous right. sitting up there. I feel so strongly that the Eagles use all of their early draft picks to draft young defensive talent. Do not draft another quarterback because I simply do not think Philadelphia can handle another quarterback controversy. And I think it's totally unnecessary. Right. Uh, Deacon, I always think back to a point you made, like uh, not even just like weeks ago that Mm -hmm. has stuck with me where, you know, we have this young coach, young coaching staff. We have Jalen Hurts only in his second year. Uh, and this team is still learning who they are and we're seeing that. And again, we always talk about adjustments and improvements and, and I think we're finally seeing that on both sides of the ball and that takes time. So if you go in and you draft a quarterback, whether it's Kenny Pickett or what, I mean, it's slim Pickens this year too. That's just, we're just going to start over. It'd be starting from, from ground zero again. And, And that's just, uh, I literally might have to like lose my fandom in the Eagles if that happens, because I don't think I can emotionally handle it. And I don't think every other Eagles fan can handle that. I think give Jalen Hurts time. Uh, We saw what he can be today. We saw it last week. Uh, I I think he has promise for sure. You know, I can see the Eagles possibly trying to package a couple of their first round picks. If a certain quarterback comes available, you know, people keep talking about Aaron Rodgers may be available. Um, I don't think Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson maybe. Do you think either one of them want to come to Philadelphia right (laughs) now and play for this team? No. And that's that's not a knock against Philadelphia. But you're talking about two guys who have won Super Bowls, who are 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 the the best of the best in what they do. They want to put themselves in a position like an Odell Beckham did to be with a contender. Now, this Eagles team could be a contender next year, but at this stage of their careers, they don't want to take that risk. They want to go somewhere where they already have the pieces in place, like Tom Brady did going to Tampa Bay. You know, you just want to be able to walk in and keep that machine moving. So all these people out here talking about, hey, Aaron Rodgers could come here. Russell Wilson could come here. Russell Wilson has a no-trade clause in his contract. Do you think he's going to give that up to come to Philadelphia? No. And if Jalen Hurst continues to play the way he's playing now, bite the bullet, give this young man another year. I'm not saying don't draft a quarterback somewhere down the road in the draft next year that you can develop. But I, I can't say it enough. You need defensive players. Mm-hmm. You need to get three of the top 10, 15 defensive players coming out in the draft next year. Build. Look what Dallas did. I can't say it enough. Dallas spent their first six draft picks on defensive players this year. Okay? Now, Dallas's defense is not considered a lights-out defense, but one of the biggest reasons why Dallas is 8-2 and two right now is because the defense has played a lot better. It has taken a lot of pressure off of that offense. You know, that offense is loaded with weapons, but you can't win every 37-35 to 35 shootout. You've got to have a defense to make stops. 
and that defense has done that for them. That's why Dallas is playing the level of football they're playing right now. They've got a bunch of kids flying around. They've got three or four young players who are contributing right now significantly. Go on that draft, get you three of the best 15 defensive players coming out of the draft, put them in place, keep building around that. You're going to bring some more veteran free agents in here because you're going to have more cap space. You may not need as much as you think you need if you let these young kids like Davian Taylor, uh, Kayvon Wallace, these young guys keep developing, add to those pieces and sprinkle the veterans that you need to make the defense that much better. You've got the offensive weapons in place. You've got a good offensive line. You've got a good trio of running backs. Uh, you got a young quarterback who's producing. you got a trio of great young wide receivers, you know, that you can play with. You can, you can win with that. You can win with that, not, maybe not now, because you're too far behind the eight ball. But next year, it, the product could be a whole lot better than what it is right now. Mm. So we're all in favor of drafting three defensive players in, in the first round, right? Absolutely. We're all in favor? Are, are we predicting that they actually will? No, no, yeah, I, think so. I, didn't think so. I feel so strongly <laughs> about yeah. it. I'm trying to like scream it from the rooftops, please. Yeah. We'll go we'll head to the art museum steps and we'll shout it from there. And hopefully everybody hears us down there at the Novacare Complex. Maybe we'll just go down with a bullhorn at Novacare Complex and start yelling it at the end of the season. Uh, you know, someone to help shed a little light on what happened after the game is going to be joining us momentarily from uh, obviously from the Mile High City to break down all that happened after the game with Nick Sirianni and give us a, a little bit more information as to what happened with the injuries in this game, most notably Dallas Goddard. John McMullen will join the post-game show when we return in a few. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500, or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Basketball is part of how we grew up in this city. And every morning, IBEW Local 98 members take their best shot building this city, rescuing our community from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are, like the Hawks who will never die. Local 98 members love tradition. John Doherty. Business manager of Local 98 says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. 
Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Welcome back, live post-game show. Mark Farzetta, Derek on Devin Caney with you. And joining us from Denver right now to give us all the ins and outs of what took place after the game. And he's brought to us by Mesa Law and Associates. Need a tough injury lawyer called Mesa and Associates. John McMullen joins us from Denver. What's up, John? How are you guys? Big win. <laughs> we are. I, that. I, I think somebody did. I'm not pointing fingers, but. Was know, that you? Did you somebody... predict a win, John? John, did you say they're yes, going to win this I game? Did. Oh, look yes, at I you. Did. I want proof. I don't believe it. I want proof. Oh, it's all over the place, <laughs> Billy Boys, Sports <laughs> Illustrated, Jacob Media, all over. All multiple, over the place. Multiple places. Uh, John, look, I, we are, we are, we're here today to celebrate you first and foremost, but let me ask this question. Uh, it's a serious, it's a serious question, brother. Uh, Dallas Goddard, any news on him after the game, any news on any other injuries, uh, that the Eagles suffered today? Uh, with Dallas, it's in concussion. So he is going to going to be in the protocol moving forward. So, you know, that's one of those things where they're so unpredictable and there's different levels. And you saw somebody like Josh Sweat just kind of skate through the protocol uh, for other people, more serious concussions. It's a little bit more difficult. Um, it was, you know, sort of a, you know, Dallas has been playing so well. Sure. And he was playing so well early in this game. You know, you kind of thought, uh-oh, here we go. This is going to really affect the Eagles. I think it did for a short period of time, but they were able uh, to recover. And I think they played certainly their best game of the year offensively. And then defensively, they were able to to play complimentary football. Look, the reason I picked the Eagles to win, because I knew Denver was going to be without both of their starting offensive tackles. You can't win in this league if you can't block people. And that's what happened uh, to the Broncos. They were too banged up. The Eagles, uh, to their credit, were able to take advantage of it and even had some special teams in the block field goal. So it goes back to sort of reminiscent of that Carolina win. Hey, hey John, I want you to clear up something because uh, Nick Sirianni said something in his press conference. In all my years of, of covering football, I've never heard this before. And he made reference city, to the City fumble? Country you know, fumble? A, 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 yeah, the difference between a city fumble and a country fumble. Can you explain this, please? <laughs> yeah, I liked it. I, I actually liked it. So I did too. A city, a city fumble is basically, you know, when it's crowded, uh, when when you're in the pile, just fall on the football. Country fumble is if you're outside, you know, the ball's live and nobody's around it. You can try to scoop it and score. You know, and I joke with Darius Slay after he kind of turned a city fumble into a country fumble. And then took it home because he he picked up the fumble, dropped it, and and then took it to the house. So, and that was the play that really sealed the game for the Eagles. Because remember, that was a fourth and one, and Denver was down twenty to thirteen. They were moving the football. The Eagles sort of came out in the second half, and that was 
the one, if you're going to nitpick, they didn't show really much of a sense of urgency mm-hmm. offensively, and they sort of uh, uh, went back to their their prior identity before this four-game stretch of running the football was three and out, and then it was the interception, uh, which wasn't Jalen's fault. That was uh, Kenny Gainwell uh, didn't pick up a, a pass rush and uh, wasn't able to get through on his throw, turned into an interception, but you know, Denver was coming. They were coming back, and, and mm-hmm. that play completely crushed them, uh, and I think it was the turning point kind of sealed the game. I'm starting to think that Nick Sirianni needs to, like, write his own football terminology book just with, you know, yeah. fertilizer means this, flowers mean this. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> what, John, when we were t- uh, starting the show, we were talking about the defense, and uh, Mark said that Gannon is out of the doghouse, at least for him. I kind of disagree. I think he still has a lot to prove. Uh, what's your take on Gannon and, and how he improved the the defense going into this game? Uh, and, and no, I, I I think you're right, Devin. I I don't think it's necessary. I you know if everybody's down their two starting offensive tackles, I think he's out of the woods. But that's not going to happen every week. Um, and you're going to have dip, more difficult time. Uh, trying to corral different offenses in this league at, at particular times. Now, we know the Eagles are, are through the difficult part of their schedule, uh, and that's a positive. But, no, I, I still think the defense is a work in progress, to say the mm-hmm. least. But I, I think the offense is as well. I, I do think the people are kind of over the top on criticizing Jonathan Gannon. I mean, at times this team has struggled against good offenses and really good quarterbacks, but they've also had some good games and people kind of, um, you know, want to sweep them under the rug as well. You can't necessarily do that either, but there's always the context of who who you're playing. And Teddy Bridgewater was under siege today uh, Mm -hmm. because Garrett Polis wasn't out there and um, um, it, it's, you know, they were down three starters actually on the offensive line. So, right. you know, we, we talk about the Eagles and this is a credit to Jeff Stoutman because they put in Jack Driscoll and Nate Herbig at times and Andre Dillard and on and on and on. And they're at least competent. They're not great. Uh, they're not Brandon Brooks or Isaac Sayamalo, uh, but they're competent. You see other teams, and man, they just completely fall apart. And you saw that with Denver today. Well, on, on that note of Jonathan Gannon being aggressive or you know going to have success against an offensive line that's banged up, one thing I will give credit: if we look at the Lions game, for instance, John, and we say if they take some of these schemes and throw them at the Chargers, they'll work. And they did. Then they took some of the schemes that they used against the Chargers, used them in this game, and they worked offensively speaking. But from a defensive perspective. I loved first and goal from the 10-yard line, 11 or excuse me, a 9-yard line, excuse me, and you have Teddy Bridgewater drop back to pass and six rushers are going after him in the backfield. They forced the errant throw which was thrown over the head of Williams who was in the flat there. I think it was Slay coming up the sideline and they actually forced the mistake. A couple of plays later the Eagles end up blocking the field goal which is a hat tip to the special teams mm-hmm. unit obviously. But that's what I'd love to see more from from Jonathan Gannon is the aggression rushing six, not just four or five, and forcing the mistake as opposed to waiting for the mistake to happen? Well, yeah, everybody wants aggression until they go over the top and, you know, go 80 yards. Yeah, Um, and and then that happens in football sometimes. But when you rarely ever show that aggression, I'd like to see it every once in a while. 
No, I get it. And there's a happy medium and you have to do it at times. I, I mean, if you look at Miami beating Baltimore, I always go back to Derek will probably remember uh, what everybody calls the Joe Webb game. Yeah. I actually oh, yes. call that. I actually call that the Antoine Winfield game because the Vikings blitzed Antoine Winfield off the slot and just made it hell for Michael Vick. I'm waiting for somebody to do that to Jalen Hurts, to be honest. Miami right. just did it to Lamar Jackson. That's right. Um, I think it's coming at some point. But, again, it morphs from week to week. And I, I, I think that's, you know, sort of the positive of Nick Sirianni. He's learning as he goes. I think Jonathan Gannon is learning as he goes. He saw an opponent he could uh, be a little bit more aggressive with, and he was a little bit more aggressive with it. You know, if you're playing Tom Brady, this is probably not the best week because he might have had his worst game in ages. But typically, if you're playing Tom Brady and you're going to blitz six at him, he's just going to pick you apart. He knows where it's coming from. He's going to throw right behind it, and you're going to look silly. So I, I do think you have to put the context of, of who you're playing into it. Real quick, I just want to say yeah. that the uh, the Ravens were blitzed 24 times by the Dolphins' secondary. That's only counting the amount of times That's they right. sent yeah. secondary up. Right. 24 blitzes from the secondary yeah. on Lamar Jackson. Sorry, Gunnar, go ahead. No, you haven't seen 24 blitzes from the Eagles' secondary all season long, and <laughs> you probably won't see it happen. But, but, but you know, from the department of things that make you go, hmm. Hey, John, in the post-game press conference, you asked Jalen Hurts, was this his best game? And he said, is that what they're saying? <laughs> that, that was his answer to you? Is that what they're saying? Yeah. Well, what, yeah, what did he elaborate? You know, how did he elaborate beyond that? Uh, he, he, you know, I think he's surprised by some of the, the, you know, how people take because he had statistical success, and this goes when he doesn't have uh, statistical success. He's very. Right. I always talk about he's very even keeled, so he's not going to be over the moon because he had a a, a good first half, but. I do think, yeah, it's pretty obvious it was his best half of football um, so far this season, um, and it's a launching point. But I, I just don't think he thinks that way, and I think he thinks it's interesting when people think that way. Uh, but, you know, that's how you're you're judged in the NFL is results, and um, he had the results today. And, you know, to him it's more about the process, which I get. And I hate that term because the Sixers have ruined it in Philadelphia. But, True. Um, you know, Jalen believes in a different type of process. And he thinks as long as he's improving, everything is headed in the right direction. Uh, and from his standpoint, I think that's a very good way to look at things. But uh, I do think you have to be realistic as well. And you're going to be judged by results on the field statistics wins and losses and all that stuff as well today was tremendous especially in the first half uh what does jalen hurd say the only stat that matters is is win or loss so you'd think he'd be pretty happy with the stats after this game um so I know uh, Mark and, and Deegan are going to give me a hard time for asking this, but uh, we're being very positive this show. It's a weird feeling. But, uh, John, I want to know if you have any or if, if anyone in the, in the postgame had any uh, critiques or things that they need to improve upon. I mean, we still don't have a win at home, and our schedule is looking pretty easy moving forward. So, you know, how do the Eagles ensure that we, we get some more wins? Well, they do have to figure out a way to win it home I, I mean and it starts next week um with new orleans and and trevor simeon's going to be the starting quarterback so it's not you know what you think of the saints typically 
so it's another opportunity. Um, you know, for whatever reason, the, the, the Eagles had some very difficult opponents, obviously, at home early in the season. But at, at some point, you got four wins on the road, not at home. When, you know, if you look at the Doug Peterson era until the final year, they generally they generally dominated at Lincoln Financial Field. So it's it's been a, a sharp change and that that obviously has to improve. And I think everybody understands that maybe part of the reason is there's a little bit more pressure, to be honest, to get off the schneid, so to speak, at home. And, and, and until they do it, uh, I think it's going to be one of those things where it's really, really difficult. Um, but as far as in this game, I mean, look, they were, everybody was happy. Nobody was pointing. There were a couple things, you know, on the interception, Kenny Gainwell didn't pick up and pass protection. Obviously you had the Quez Watkins drop. That should have been a touchdown. Mm -hmm. That was a great throw, uh, Mm -hmm. by Jalen Hurts. Um, I mentioned coming out in the second half, I thought they lost a little bit of sense of urgency, uh, and they had to three and out, and, and then the interception, they gave Denver a small opportunity to get back in the game. They probably want to um, tighten that up. Uh, Nick mentioned some of the, the, the penalties on defense, specifically the pre-snap ones. I know everybody's going to kill Derek Barnett, another personal foul, uh, and he deserved that one. Uh, that's just, you know, what they're calling. He, right. he, he did that sort of extra jump on Teddy Bridgewater at the end. Right. Um, you can't do that in today's NFL. So small stuff like that. But, I mean, they dominated this game. They dominated this game. And, it, you know, it's interesting. How do you sit Jordan Howard? I mean, Miles Sanders that's is right. coming back. He's, he's already that's on right. social media uh, saying he's ready to go. He was he on the sidelines tonight. Three weeks. Yeah. You know, he's obviously healthy, uh, and the Eagles can bring him off injured reserve this week. I don't know how you sit Jordan Howard. They are a better football team with Jordan Howard. He's not a better football player than Miles Sanders, but they're a better team because of the style of football he plays. John, what did did, uh, Lane Johnson say about Jordan Howard? I know he was very complimentary after the game. Yeah, I mean, I think it's his physical uh, approach. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think Nick was very upset earlier. In fact, I don't think I know when his team was portrayed as being uh, not physical, getting beaten up, getting out physical week in and week out. And he wanted to change that thought process pretty quickly. That's one of the reasons T.J. Edwards is playing at linebacker and he's just blowing people up. Um, And it's one of the reasons – uh, Jordan Howard has been so effective on the offensive side of the ball. Um, you know, again, these guys are maybe not the most skilled players, but they bring a presence that the Eagles didn't have without them. Two quick things for you, John, for me. How do you think they sort out that running back room? Did Gamewell get taken out? Does Jordan Howard get taken out? Do you think how Boston Sky, like when Miles Sanders does come back, how do you see that actually playing out? I think I think Boston's going to be the odd man yep. out, yep. Um, yep. unfortunately, and I don't I don't think he deserves it. Um, the Eagles, you know, Kenny Gainwell hasn't played as much. They they had that role. I think people were a little bit confused. They were behind so much early in the season. He was the third down back to hurry up back. So and they were playing 
you know, so much hurry up because they were trying to get back in the game. He played a ton. And then when they started taking control of games by running the football, they never wanted him to be the RB1, so to speak. And that's why it's not that Jordan Howard and Boston Scott jumped him. Uh, it's that that's not his role. Um, so he'll keep that role. And Miles Sanders will come in and sort of take the, the Boston Scott role as the starter. And I think Jordan Howard will uh, keep his role as sort of that, that physical back. But if you go all the way back to his first year here, it was Miles' rookie season, if you guys remember. Miles started that season as the starting running back, and he wasn't that effective. And then Jordan Howard got his opportunity, played really well. I think it was against Buffalo and then Chicago, his old team. And he was the starter. I mean, he, he won the job and he was the starter. And then he got that, he got hurt. He got that weird stinger injury and he was out basically for the rest of the season. Uh, And miles came back in and played well and took over the job. I think we're seeing a similar thing happen now. You can't take him off the field. Now, if that changes next week and he doesn't play well against New Orleans or changes moving forward, then you could say, all right, we got to go back to Miles Sanders. But until that happens, you can't take him off the field. Wow. Yeah, I I want to ask you about a solution for another position, um, and that is wide receivers. Devontae Smith obviously had an incredible game. Uh, and I found some some fun stats on Jalen Rager. Uh, Jalen Rager had <laughs> there are, negative there are no fun stats. Yeah, right. Negative 14 yards in his last two touches. Uh, Devontae Smith now has more career receiving yards than Jalen Rager. Um, what is the solution for him? He's so unproductive. Uh, I, I feel like all he does is is I mean, he doesn't even contribute much on special teams. But, um, I mean, has that been acknowledged? And then, of course, we had that uh, pass that should have been a catch from Quez Watkins. Um, Aside from Devontae Smith, is there any concern over lack of production from our receivers? Yeah, I think there's a a lot of concern because uh, you need more than Devontae. And Devontae's playing great and, Mm. you know, more so than – the first touchdown, which was a great, you know, individual plays. Uh, Patrick Sertain had great coverage as well. He just, you know, got the football uh, in a 50-50 situation. The routes, the other receptions he had, uh, you know, the separation he gets is amazing as a route runner. You're talking mm-hmm. four or five yards, mm-hmm. and you just don't see that typically in the NFL. Um so, I mean, you set him aside. He's, I, I often say, he's another species of wide receiver we haven't seen in a long time in Philadelphia. Um, they need a compliment, and they don't have a compliment. But Quez Watkins has clearly lapped and, and taken over the, the number two role for uh, Jalen Rager, and they try to get him involved with some manufactured touches. It's not working. I, I hate to do it. It's so early in his career. And I'm not saying he can't be rescued somewhere else, but the Eagles are probably going to have to go in a different direction uh, next season. And, and they they need to get a veteran receiver as a, as a compliment. No more draft picks. You got the draft pick. You finally got it with Devontae Smith. Now they need a veteran guy that knows how to play, um, 
to, to sort of complement at that particular position. And I heard Derek talking about free agency and draft picks. They'll have plenty of money yeah. uh, to go out and get free agents. So you can get an all Sean Jeffrey type. That's the way they have to tackle wide receiver in the offseason. Were you so a pro OBJ? Sorry. Sorry, Deegan. No, it's okay. No, I mean, I, I don't think OBJ – fits this team uh, mm. for what he wants or what they want from a, a culture standpoint from what the Eagles yeah. want, but from uh, he, he wants to be with a contender and the Eagles aren't there. So they're not in a position to be in the conversation for guys like that right now. Mm. Uh, he wouldn't have wanted to come here. And I don't think they, I know they didn't have any interest in him a lot because they know he didn't want to come here to be honest. Mm. I know a lot of people are down on Jalen Rager, and in some cases, rightfully so. But when you look at his 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 looks, his touches, you, you can't find out what he is or is not when he's only getting one or two looks a game. Um, and, and I understand you have to make the most of your opportunities, but to get a true evaluation of what he is or is not, you've, you've got to give him more looks. You have to. Because right now, everybody's down on Jalen, and I understand why, and I've been down on him as well. But you'd hate to see this team give up on him too soon and have him go somewhere and come back and bite you in the butt, especially if he goes in a division. You know, I know we're still frustrated that we took Jalen instead of Justin Jefferson. I get that. But he's here now. He's played for two different quarterbacks now. You, 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 Nick Sirianni goes to him maybe one – what, he had one, one look in this game? Okay, in previous games I see a lot of ones, maybe twos. You know, that's not how you develop a wide receiver when the bullets are flying for real. And I understand your star is Devonta Smith. Quez Watkins has the capability of being a very good complimentary number two. But this kid was the first-round draft pick, and you've got to to do a fair evaluation of him because in Howie Roseman's case, how much more egg can you take on the face for blowing first- and second-round picks, which he's done like every other year? So I think somewhere along the line, you've got to give him a better evaluation before you decide what he is or is not. Yeah, I, I hear you, Deacon. That's where I was at the beginning of the season. Right. But I, I understand. I mean, it, you're right about Howie Roseman. Howie Roseman wanted Jalen Rager to succeed. Believe me, yeah. he wanted yeah. Jalen Rager to succeed. And when you talk about fair evaluation, well, you know, Jalen played himself off, mm-hmm. you know, the rotation. Uh, Nick Sirianni, he was the number two receiver to start the season. Uh, and Quez Watkins took over for him, not just because of what happens in games, but because of what happens in practice as well. And to be honest, if the Eagles had anything behind Jalen Rager, and they don't, you're talking about Greg Ward, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside got banged up again today. I mean, they're not going to push anybody. So in, in a lot of ways, he's getting more playing time than he probably deserves. Because the depth is so bad. I I often talk about, you know, trying to serve two masters. And, you know, the Eagles are in a transition phase, rebuilding phase, whatever you want to call it. Well, Nick Sirianni is in the guts of a season now. He's trying to win games. That's his job. He's trying to beat the Denver Broncos and empower field on a Sunday. And he did it. And he's going to try to beat the New Orleans Saints. And he's going to do whatever it takes that week to beat that team. He doesn't care about Howie Roseman's flub of a first-round pick at this stage. And that's sort of 
the two different <clears throat> stages they come from at this particular time. And when you're a contender, as the Eagles were uh, for a lot of the Doug Peterson era, those things kind of match up and wed. But right now, he's not playing because he doesn't deserve to play. Bottom line. I'm going to keep, I'm going to root for that more, John, that uh, Nick Sirianni doesn't care really about what Howie Roseman thinks. And I, I know right now it's about Jalen Rager and let's just hope that that grows with a couple other things and opinions by Howie Roseman. Um, John, I do want to ask you this. Uh, it's 14 games now with Jalen Hurts starting as an NFL quarterback. It's, uh, 14 games started now. What is your latest evaluation about what Jalen Hurts is going forward? Um, I, I've said this pretty much from the start. He's improving. Um, today, I think, was his uh, best game. I think he's better suited. I think the Eagles thought at the beginning of this season they needed to run the heavy RPO stuff, and that was the best way to go. They're now finding out the best way to go is to set him up with a good running game and let him have clearer windows to throw the football to open receivers. Um and all of it can look good, and they finally have an identity. They finally have a formula. But I heard you guys talking about the draft and Howie Roseman and going to see Kenny Pickett mm -hmm. uh, on Thursday night, which, by the way, he should do. That's his job. Yep. There's yep. nothing wrong with it. He's not insulting anyone. I, I just know what the Eagles want, and they want a top-five quarterback. They want a top-ten quarterback. Uh, and they're not going to stop until they get it. That doesn't mean it's going to be Kenny Pickett. It's always about the evaluation of the player. It might not be anybody this year. And Jalen Hurts is a starting quarterback at next year as well. And he's, 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 you know, putting points into that column, so to speak. But I think ultimately the way the Eagles are playing now to win those games that I told you that Nick Sirianni is trying to do, ultimately they don't want to play that way. They play that way because they have to play that way right now. They don't want to play that way. And they're going to look for that top five quarterback until they get them. That's just, that's just the thought process of this organization. And, you know, that's kind of obvious. It's for most organizations. But this one more so than any other, maybe not any other, but Jeffrey Lurie has talked about having high-level, high-octane offense, whatever you want to call it, throwing passing offense to be a consistent winner in this league, and that's what he believes, and he's always going to believe that, and he's probably hey, right. Hey, John, I said earlier in the show, when it comes to evaluating the draft, in, in particular quarterbacks for next year, I don't want to see this organization end up chasing ghosts. You know, right now as we look at it, the, the, the word is there's not that so-called elite quarterback coming out of the draft next year. But as you know, between now and the time that draft rolls around, you have these bowl games, you have the combine, you have the individual workouts, and all of a sudden an average quarterback ascends up the ladder to this kid could be your next franchise quarterback, and all of a sudden you end up taking the likes of the next Sam Rosen, Sam Dardum, Dwayne Haskins. So I'm hoping his team is extremely cautious based on his draft history at a number of positions over the last four or five years and really think and evaluate this before you use one of those high draft picks where you could get an impact player somewhere else um, taking what you believe to be is a future franchise quarterback and it turns out not to be the case. 
Yeah, it always, and that's why I said always, it always comes down to evaluation. Look, the Eagles, if they could have found a way to get Zach Wilson, that was the guy they would have drafted this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the guy they thought would be a star quarterback. Um, and obviously the jury is still way out on Zach Wilson. Um, you just mentioned some of the names, uh, Derek. You know, said Joe Burrow was one of those guys who yep. – um, didn't wasn't thought of highly as a prospect, and all of a sudden shoots up the board. Um, it's early, but he's looking like a really good pick for Cincinnati. Um, and you're right. I mean, I you know, I can tell you from talking to NFL people, Kenny Pickett's going to be that guy. So it's just a matter of where does he land. And it's not about nothing against Twitter scouts or social media people, but NFL people like. You keep hearing that name, Kenny Pickett, yeah, Kenny yeah. Pickett, Kenny Pickett. Um, and he's the guy who was raising up. And that's why they started their due diligence. If they believe he's going to be a top five, top ten quarterback, they're going to draft him. Mm. If they don't, they're going to go in a different direction. Mm. So it's always about the evaluation of the particular prospect. John, real quick, last one for me. This one comes from uh, our friend Allison in the chat, actually, that's asking the Eagles to carry four running backs. And I'm all for that. I'm with Allison on this one. If the Eagles were to keep four, who do you think would be the odd man out when it comes to the rest of the team? Who do you think's that 53rd man on the roster? Or 54th, I guess. Well, I have 77 cornerbacks, and none of them do. <laughs> no, it's not, there it's you not go. that they're, they're going to keep four running backs. They're not. When I said Boston Scott is the odd man out, he's not getting cut. He's no, no, okay, yeah, 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 I understand that, yeah. Um, yeah, Jack Anderson, offensive lineman, is typically inactive each week. Um, yeah, I mean, they have, they're not going to struggle to find a spot. Dressing four, them. then, on game days? Uh, yeah, yeah. Hell yeah, guys. yeah. I am here for that. I remember I remember just a couple years ago, they, they had five guys. I remember they kept five guys when they broke camp. Uh, John McMullen, thank you so much for joining us, as per usual, as you do after every Eagles game and live post-game show. And you are, my friend, presented by Mesa Law and Associates. Need a tough injury lawyer called Mesa and Associates. John McMullen, thanks so much, brother. Appreciate you. Hey, thank you all. Appreciate it. John McMullen checking in on live post-game show. There we go. We'll break it all down when we return. And also, I I have to weigh in because I haven't said anything yet about uh, Howie Roseman and his uh, binoculars (laughs) 2.0. So we'll get into that in a second when we return on live post-game show. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go to get your spin on. Go to get your spa on. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub. And in your drink. Go for the steaks. And the steak. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. 
At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. The live postgame show is powered by IBEW Local 98. Basketball is part of how we grew up in this city. And every morning, IBEW Local 98 members take their best shot building this city, rescuing our community from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are, like the Hawks who will never die. Local 98 members love tradition. John Doherty. Business manager of Local 98 says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Welcome back. Live post-game show. Mark Farzetta, Devin Caney, Derek Gunn with you. We are exclusively presented by Ocean Casino Resort. Go for the live show. Go for the win. Uh, Howie Rosen with the binoculars. Was he was he was he punking himself? Was he like making fun of himself when it came to the famous meme of him? I believe it was a preseason game where he's looking down with the binoculars on the football field. Was it was he doing was he trying to hide from the camera? Was he mugging for the camera? But what was going on there? You know, he's someone who you you do wonder, and and you know, players I feel say they're not on social media, they don't read it, they don't look at it. That's a lie. We know that most <laughs> players in any sport are on social yes. media and see at least some of the critiques that they get. Howie Roseman is someone who I genuinely would not be surprised if he has never looked at social media because I mean, how do you go about your day? <laughs> if, if he checked Twitter, if he checked Eagles Twitter and saw all the critiques of him. So I don't, maybe he doesn't even know he was mean because who's going to show him that? No, I, I think, it, oh, I think he saw it. I, I think, think that's exactly what he was doing. If he, yeah. think, if he didn't see the sun, we'll definitely tell him. I don't think Howie cares one iota about social media. And, and Howie's not one, you know, there are some executives in, in the league that love to be in the limelight, love to be in the news. Uh, from what I know of Howie Roseman, he's not one of those people. He, you know, he wants to do his job thoroughly. He understands the criticism he's taking. Uh, when he's caught in the spotlight, you know, like, you know, going to watch a quarterback, that could potentially be a draft pick. That's not what he wants to do. As John McMullen said, he's doing his job. You know, he's doing what he's supposed to do out there scouring the countryside, trying to find pieces to make his overall product that much better. Even though he knows it's going to cause a controversy in a highly controversial um, and opinionated market like Philadelphia, he's still willing mm. to put himself out there there like that. Howie, Howie is, is not one of these people that wants to be front and center in front of the camera. If you notice anything about Howie, he only will speak a couple of times a year. He speaks after a season. He'll speak at training camp. And unless something major happens, uh, you, you, like with the Zach Ertz trade, you're not going to hear much from Howie Roseman publicly. I can't tell you how many times, uh, and I have a pretty good relationship with Howie. I've tried to get him to do one-on-ones and do certain other things. And he'll deflect it by saying, uh, uh, go through PR. I have to go through PR. Like he really needs to go through PR to, to, to make decisions. But he uses that as a, as a shield 
because PR knows Degon, he's he's just not interested right now. And not just me, but with other people. Howie is not one of these people that wants he's not a Jerry Jones type. He's not a Robert Kraft type, the type where he enjoys being out in front and center. Um, he would rather do his job quietly and do it effectively, hopefully down the road, much more effectively and efficiently and consistently than he's done it in recent years. Mm-hmm. Well, whatever he does end up doing in the draft, we'll all keep our fingers crossed that our desire actually comes to fruition and they actually do draft three defensive players in the first round with their three first round draft picks. So let's keep our fingers crossed for that one. Uh, something we haven't done yet. Uh, we have sung the praises of Jalen Hurts and how he played in this particular game, but something we haven't really jumped into yet. 14 games, uh, obviously, in the old days. You got two more before you're talking about a 16-game schedule. We got one more now talking about a 17-game schedule. But 14 starts now into the Jalen Hurts career. One thing I have to say about this, and I look, mentally we've talked about his approach to the game, his work ethic, what he says in front of the, uh, the, the cameras. I know, Devin, you always tell me that he's on steroids when it comes to how his brain operates. Mm. I, I continue to be impressed with his improvement. And a point that dawned on me around halftime of this game, it was right after the touchdown, or excuse me, right after the drop touchdown in the end zone by Quez Watkins that went right through his hands, perfect pass from uh, from Jalen Hurts. The thing that I was thinking about was he gets knocked for not being able to throw that deep ball. Mm-hmm. And as John McMullen even mentioned, the first touchdown to Devontae Smith, that was a 50-50 ball. But he threw that, pl- that ball up there for his wide receiver to make a play, right. which he did. Watching Jalen Hurts throughout this season and hearing him get knocked for not being able to throw that deep ball, I'm looking at that drop from Quez Watkins. I'm looking at the Jalen Rager play against the 49ers, I want to say, where he was running out of bounds before he came back in Mm -hmm. to catch the ball in the end zone. It was a perfectly thrown ball. I'm also looking at Devontae Smith for what I want to say was against the Kansas City Chiefs, if I'm not mistaken, where he was going down the sideline, did the same thing, went out of bounds before coming back in, caught the ball in the end zone on a perfectly thrown ball. If Watkins catches that, Rager catches that, and then also Devontae Smith catches that, you're talking about three deep throws from Jalen Hurts that were right on the money in the end zone that unfortunately got called back or were either dropped on those particular things. Those are nice things on your resume if you're Jalen Hurts and you're trying to build that resume as the season goes on. So I am continuously impressed with what I'm seeing from Jalen Hurts as far as his improvement and his head coach's improvement in calling plays that put him in a better position to be successful. I'm more impressed with his ability to extend plays. You know, you don't have to have a rocket arm to be a successful quarterback in the National Football League. And, you know, a lot of these teams don't rely on the deep ball. A lot of these teams rely on a short passing game, the swing passes, the hitch passes, the bubble screens, the the quick post, uh, the drag route, so on and so forth. It's nice to have the deep ball element in your game like teams like the Arizonas do and the Baltimore's. But you don't have to have that to be a, a, a very successful team. And I love the way he handles himself under under duress. You know, the, the, the last game in particular, you look at how many times the Chargers came at him off the edge and he pirouetted around backside and got out of there and picked up a lot of big yardage down the sideline. For whatever reason, the Chargers didn't play him as disciplined on the edges as Denver played him in this particular game. But the way he's able to adjust uh, what's coming at him, and obviously, uh, that's that's coaching, that's the athleticism, and it's the ability to steadily improve each and every week. You're facing something different every week when you step to that line of scrimmage and call the signals. You're not going to see the same thing. And I think he's handled himself extremely well, protecting the football, not making a lot of turnovers. Hey, thank God he's not Sam Darnold. You know, we could have a Sam Darnold here. Thank goodness, thank goodness he's not that guy who's a turnover machine. Okay, thank goodness he's not. 
um, Daniel Jones in New York, you know, who to me is right now on the cusp of being a first round bust. You know, thank goodness he's not that guy. I think he's better than that right now than a Daniel Jones. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what you want. You want a you want a quarterback that the players feel comfortable with, the players respect, will listen to a player that can move your offense and make plays. That's what Jalen Hurts can do right now for this team. And thank goodness he's not Carson Wentz. Oh would throw goodness. interceptions, not just all the time, but in the red zone. I mean, Jalen Hurts, yeah, he threw one today. It was tipped. It wasn't tipped. I don't know. But until then, he had only had, I think, four interceptions, which is pretty low. Right. Uh, right. He, he's got wheels. He's very mobile. And you know what? I've been holding back this thought about Jalen Hurts all season uh, because I don't want to jinx it. So Uh-oh. I don't hold don't me do to it. this. Oh, don't no, no, it. no. Go, go. Come on. I, I have to hear it don't now. Do it. I felt with not just Carson, especially Carson Wentz, but pretty much every quarterback the Eagles have ever had, uh, or really any quarterback that they're made of glass, I would always say, you know, like, I'd always oh, like, oh, no, I'm sorry. If I would have known this was it. No. Oh, please. no, please. Oh, God. That's what you get for asking. See? I'm sorry. But you I get what you know. I'm going. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. But am I wrong? Are we not worried? Like, Let's see. Hmm. Knocking on wood. Knocking on wood. He Let's did see. a flip last week. Like, come on. <laughs> he, looked like, he looked like Willie Beeman in any given Sunday. He did. He did. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> But he bounced right back up. He's he like, bounced right back. yeah, like, and I was not concerned whatsoever. I was like, oh, sick. That's yeah. cool. He wasn't like, <laughs> yeah. did, he, did he, he do, die? Man. Did he break his leg? Did he tear his ACL? You so, put it on the line. You put it on yeah. the line for your team. Whatever you have mm-hmm. to do to make that play happen. That's what Jalen did. Yeah. He put it on the line. Just like Teddy Bridgewater. Just like Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> Just all out on the line. <laughs> all for the team, baby. How many quarterbacks do you know would make that flip, that front somersault to get that extra yard? Think about it. How many starting quarterbacks in the National Football League would take that risk? Not many. Not many at all. I got nothing. I got nothing on those guys. Mm-hmm. Nothing. I was going to go, how far back you want to go? You want to go Mike Vick? Uh, yeah. 2000, yeah. 2001? You want to go Mike Vick back then? Kevin Cobb. Let's see. Mike Vick. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. No, Kevin Cobb wouldn't have done it willingly. It would have been a result of a hit. <laughs> <laughs> that would have made him go through the air like that. That's like a ra- like a rabbit being shot with buckshot, man. <laughs> <laughs> that is a very specific and haunting uh, d- d- analogy. Um, one thing I do have to bring up because we haven't we haven't mentioned this yet either. We talked about the running game a lot as far as the Eagles actually using the run, establishing the run, sticking with the run over the last three games, using a lot of the same concepts. Yes, against the Lions, but also using against the Chargers, and then again today against the Denver Broncos. But uh, I wanted to get this stat in because they actually put it up there on the broadcast. You had uh, see Boston Scott, Jalen Hurts, and Jordan Howard. It's the first time since 1950 you had three rushers, 40-plus yards, three straight games. Mm-hmm. First time since 19, uh, I believe the 1950 Eagles, okay? So I asked this gunner, what was yes. the 1950 Eagles team like? Oh, you got jokes. <laughs> you, you, you got jokes, right? <laughs> Remind me if I see you in public and you're on the side of the road, yeah, and, you're, and your car's broken down. Uh huh. If I just wave at you in passing, don't take it personal. <laughs> it's just business. It ain't. Personal. I, I can picture. I can picture you doing that while eating one of your like turkey smoked turkey legs. I can see you doing hanging, that with a rib hanging out the window and the sauce dripping down my chin. Mark, you need help? I'll get back to you, bro. Yeah. All right. I figured as much. I figured as much. I had to offset from you know the. Um, possibility of Jalen Hurts, you know, something horrible happening. So let's hope that that I doesn't happen. That, and I'm sorry. Don't no yeah, one thanks, like Kevin. come for me if something happens. 
<laughs> exactly. It has no. been on my mind for a long time. I had to get it off my chest. I'm sorry. Well, did you eat the chicken wing yet? Did you eat a chicken wing yet? Has no. that happened, no. Devin? No. No, I, it hasn't. Yeah. Okay. She's basically I, lying I need to, to us. She's, She's lying to us, Mark. Uh, well, okay, look, Deegan, you were the one with the box of wings, and then you said I couldn't I, eat them. So I offered if you, you some. You said no at first because you didn't want to get your makeup messed up. That's what you said. I did, That's and then I said if the big. Eagles win, I'll eat wings, and I don't have wings, so looks like you owe me some. Boom. Just like that, Gunner. Face! Uh, <laughs> when we come back... About me? Well, wait, wait a minute. We, this is about her. How did it come about, become about me all of a sudden? Because she, she turned the table. She pulled a trick. That's what she did. She, tur mm -hmm. she turned the tables, Gunner. That's what she did. She turned the tables. Uh, when we come back, uh, we're going to award game balls. It always feels good to award game balls. That's always good. Award them. Uh, that's great. We'll do that when we return. But I do want to tell you that we are fueled by Stateside Vodka. Use the promo code Jacob. You can see it in the scroll below for 15% off a one liter bottle. Go to statesidevodka.com. We'll wrap things up on live post game show when we return. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy sh- Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your- You betcha. But is it made out of- Glass? Yo, okay, but is the rip- Smooth? Will you stop doing- That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. The live postgame show is powered by IBEW Local 98. 
If you don't forget, after the show, tomorrow morning, uh, to be more specific, check out the Social Media YouTube channel right where you are right now, ladies and gentlemen, for the Burr 365 show with Jody Mack and Johnny Mack, First Trust Bank, presents that fine program. It's the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. That is First Trust Bank. Uh, we're going to give our game balls away in just a second, but uh, the Eagles right now, let's go through this uh, for, for, for a second here. Eagles tonight are able to take care of business against the Denver Broncos. They won two of three, so that's fun to say, and actually it'd be true. Uh, but then they got the Saints coming to town. Then they go to the Giants, to the Jets, host Washington, host the Giants, then Washington, then wrap things up with Dallas. Do the Eagles have a shot? Do they have a shot at making the playoffs this year? Could it be true? Could it be possible that this Nick Sirianni team, flowers and all, rock, paper, scissors and all, and Jonathan Gannon, could, could they actually – do they have a shot at making the playoffs? I'm saying, hell yeah, this is the point all season long. I've been saying get to this point, stack as many wins as possible, and let the rest of the season play out. They got a shot. I'm not saying I'm not guaranteeing a playoff win or anything like that. I'm just saying right now they put themselves in position to at least be in the hunt for that in the last couple of games in the season. Meaningful games in December. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm rooting for. I- I, I was gonna let Deacon's going. He's he's saying mm-hmm. So I was gonna let him weigh in here, but hmm. I'm going no. to say absolutely. There's an outside oh. chance. As, oh, I see. I thought you were gonna more. come back with something negative. That's why I was like, I'm no. just not even gonna no, say you, anything. You have okay. you have carried that negative umbrella for most of this show, Devin. <laughs> I'm going to let you have that umbrella today. <laughs> no, but to be honest, yes. Every game from here on in is winnable, and that's including the Dallas game because I think by that point. Dallas would have the division locked up, number one, and more than likely will have their seating locked up. You know, the only way Dallas plays anything for that game is if they're vying for the number one seed in the NFC uh, at that particular time. But at least five of the last six games, what, what do you have now? Seven five of the last seven, yeah. You go yeah, five, five and two. Yeah, you go five and two. You never, hey, you can, they could go six and one. You don't know. But then again, you know, like I said, any given Sunday, you don't know. A Washington team. Knocks off a, a Tampa Bay team that everybody considers not only just the defending Super Bowl champions, but the best team in the NFC. Washington comes from out of nowhere, plays a defensive game that we expected them to play all season long, win that game. Last week, a Giants team knocks off the Raiders. You know, so any any given Sunday, you don't know what's going to happen. But I like the position the Eagles are in right now. I mean, we we let, let's let's be that ray of hope. Let's all hold hands and sing "Kumbaya" and be that ray of hope for the Eagles right now. Let's let's funnel all of our energy, positive energy, together. Yes, Devin, even you, I'm gonna have you pos- funnel that positive energy together and see if we can will this team to winning five of the last seven, six of the last seven, and let the chips fall where they may. Because now with that extra playoff team, hey, there's gonna be a lot of teams right on that bubble that are gonna be vying for that position, and obviously. With the Eagles now playing all all NFC games and more importantly division games, you know those head to head competitions, matchups, and ones and losses will really come into play late December, early January. Look, the Eagles have um, how do I put this? Broken me mentally, emotionally, <laughs> spiritually what? this season. So. Forgive me for for not wanting to get my hopes up just to get my heart broken once again. I but I I think if the Eagles stay healthy, then yeah. yes, we have a shot. If not, go. then no. I think it's go. yeah, especially on on our offensive line. Um, I mean, I'm glad we're going to have Miles Sanders back. I hope we get Dallas Goddard back soon after this game. 
but I, I do think as long as we have our starters in, then yes. But if not, I'm not getting my hopes up. We got staying healthy. We got we got more injury news from Devin. This is just great. This show, this show today, all positivity, ladies and gentlemen. I'm so uh, sorry, guys. I'm gonna go like I'm gonna go sage my apartment. Like I need I need to clear the negative energy out of here. Clearly, do you have the pumpkin candle? Is that still going? Is that still a thing? I do. I, okay. It's not going, but I can light it to, oh. to you know. Yeah, right. Uh, who wants to give away the first game ball? Who wants to take the first game ball and hand it to somebody? Who wants to do that? Who wants to go first? L ladies first. Ladies first. Devin yeah. and the pumpkin spice latte candle. What do you think? <laughs> All right, I, I can go first, but I chose mine assuming that both of you were going to choose either Devontae Smith or Jalen Hurts. So if I'm wrong, I'm sorry if we're forgetting him, but I'm going with Darius Slay because I thought his fumble recovery for an 82-yard touchdown was incredible. Mm -hmm. I lost my mind. I went through an emotional roller coaster because I thought he was down. I He somehow kept going. Teddy Bridgewater blocked his own teammate for him. It was incredible. And what made it even more incredible According to Josh Tolentino on Twitter, uh, in his postgame presser, when Slay was asked about that return, he said he knew he was going to get a touchdown because Broncos were in 13 personnel and, quote, they had nothing but fat guys out there. <laughs> if we only had one game ball to give away, that would be that. That would be it. That, absolutely. That's a great yeah. one. Uh, Gunner, you want you want next? Do you want uh, you want next on this one? I'm giving it to Nick Sirianni. Wow. Congrats on staying with the run. 40 rushing attempts. Now, I understand a lot of the rushing, not a lot, but a good portion of the rushing attempts came in that fourth quarter when you were just trying to run out the clock and seal the game. So good for you, Nick Sirianni, because you ran the football. You got away from it just a little bit in the game, and I'm thinking, here we go again. Then you went right back to it, um, and you sealed the deal. So Nick Sirianni, you didn't buckle under pressure. You're listening to the fan base. You're listening to the media. You have three straight games now. You've run the ball down the opponent's throat. Good for you, Nick Sirianni. You get my game ball. <sighs> That's a good one. That's a good one. I'd still say, uh, Devin, you're in the lead, I think, when it comes to the game ball situation. I think mine is a close second, though, because I do think this will be the only time this year we're able to give this man the game ball. Okay, and this is a man that tonight, was the single greatest defensive coordinator in Denver at mile high tonight, ever. Tonight, great. Jonathan Gannon gets a game ball. Now, why? Because he sent six on the first and goal from the nine-yard line that rushed Teddy Bridgewater into a horrible mistake. Why would it go to Jonathan Gannon? Because he was aggressive. That's why. And also because coming into this game, Teddy Bridgewater was one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL when it came to completion percentage, completing about 71% of his passes. Only Kyler Murray, and actually, believe it or not, still ranked up there, was uh, Seattle Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson. He was number two. Number three on that list was Teddy Bridgewater, who tonight was held to a 61% completion percentage. Way to go, Darius Slay. Way to go, Steven Nelson. Way to go, Jonathan Gannon, who gets my game ball today for the way they were able to play against this offense of the Denver Broncos. Jonathan Gannon, I never doubted you for a minute. And, well, before kickoff and really every other moment before that. And I kind of doubted you a little bit against New Orleans. But tonight, Jonathan Gannon gets my game ball. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. How, how's that suit you? Oh, how much? Oh, the, oh, the turntables. Just in seven <laughs> days, how much can change? Oh, I feel like our entire show last week was just like crushing Jonathan Gannon for his game plan, saying he should be fired and 
Now here he is getting a game ball. Dreams come true, people. Well, he still could be. He could be after the season. So yeah, talk to me next week. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's a whole enjoy, new game. Let's enjoy the moment for what it's worth. If they make if they make Trevor Simeon look like uh, you know Tom Brady, the actual yeah, Tom Brady, not the one that played oh, in Washington yeah. today, it'll be a whole new whole new ball game. Uh, <laughs> uh, Derek Gunn, Devin Caney, a pleasure as always, guys. Pleasure as always, John pleasure McMullen. As always. Do you have the candle? Is the candle lit by chance? No, but yeah. I, I can light it. Eh, nah, it's time. fine. Maybe it's she's bad gonna, luck. Maybe we, we don't. We don't light it now. She's going to walk around her apartment doing this, getting rid of all the bad vibes <laughs> in her apartment with the candle. Exactly. Um, um, oh. With a pumpkin candle, yes. With a pumpkin candle. <laughs> uh, also, I want to extend a thanks to uh, John McMullen, who joined us, obviously, from Denver. Uh, right. Xander Krause also, who uh, did a great job producing the show. Uh, thanks for everyone to join us on the Jacob Media YouTube page, as well as 6abc.com. And finally, don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, looking for a good time, make sure you guys check out Ocean Casino Resort. Go for the live show. Go for the win. For Derek Gunn, for Devin Caney, I'm Mark Farzetta. We'll be back with you guys with more live post-game show next week, hopefully following an Eagles win over the Saints. Thanks for watching. At Thetside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Basketball is part of how we grew up in this city. And every morning, IBEW Local 98 members take their best shot building this city, rescuing our community from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are, like the Hawks who will never die. Local 98 members love tradition. John Doherty. Business manager of Local 98 says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that.